is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to change the station. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will bring it to a whisper. For the next hour, sit quietly and we shall control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. Now, it's time for the radio show that covers just about every topic. Because variety is the spice of life. From the arcane and unusual to current events and practical tips. Because if it's interesting, they'll be talking about it. And now, here's Bill and Allison Mancaro. Indeed we are. Good morning, Hill Country. Good morning. Good morning. We are Bill and Allison, and we are sometimes wrong. But we're always right. We're always right. Starting our show with a verse from Mark, chapter 8. Christ said, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark, chapter 8. Words to live by for sure. 909 on a Saturday morning and we are March 5th 2002. Wow, time flies. 2022. 2022. <laughs> right, so time really flies then, doesn't it? Man, you know what they say, time flies like an arrow. <laughs> I know. Fruit flies this is so stupid. Fruit flies like a banana. <laughs> so stupid. Chew on that one for a while. Chew on that one. 909. 910 just flipped over there. A uh, little uh Texas history item for you. You know, Allison, I, by the way, <laughs> Allison said that's stupid. The, my little time flies like an arrow thing. Allison thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> but I didn't marry me. So who's the crazy one, huh? <laughs> oh, golly. This week in 1836, Texas became a republic. Woohoo! On March 1, delegates met at Washington on the Brazos to consider independence from Mexico. George C. Childress and a committee of five drafted a Declaration of Independence. He's the father of the Texas Declaration of Independence. Hmm. And Childress, Texas, in the panhandle, is named after George Childress. Hmm. Something good, good to, to know, know but Harley would say. Quote Harley. <laughs> The convention voted unanimously to accept the resolution of the Declaration of Independence. After 59 members signed the document, Texas became the Republic of Texas. Uh, except in the minds of the Mexicans. The change remained to be demonstrated to Mexico. Uh, and uh, we demonstrated it quite succinctly at the Battle of San Jacinto, by the way. Correct? That's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah. So, we got some local events coming up. We're going to sprinkle them throughout the show. But today is the Cowboy Breakfast at Glory Community Garden. Well, it's actually a breakfast and a, and a, a lunch as well. 
Uh, that's going to be today. Now, where do you say is the Glory Community Garden? I did not know. I had, I to had look no it idea. Up. I had to look it up. 200 West Davis Street in Kerrville. And oh. it's a project, I think, of uh, associated with the Methodist Church, if okay. I'm, I'm not I'm mistaken. Uh, but their breakfast is today uh, at 9 a.m. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of uh, a that problem. Was, that was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well no. you can still get over there, but don't don't turn your radio off. Just never uh, mind. Yeah, and uh, chili will be from noon to one, though. Oh, okay. okay, okay. So you can make it for lunch. Yeah, and not and not miss our show. Fun food and games, and it is free. Ooh. Free breakfast and Ooh. free chili. Well, you know what? I just learned this week about the city of Kerrville. Okay, I got a phone call from the uh, first thing Monday morning. Actually, the message on my phone. From the um, Kerrville City of Kerrville um, Code Enforcement Office, and Ooh. <laughs> so that that made me really nervous. It was about a, a rental house, and so I'm sort of holding my breath until she called me back, and I was finally able to talk to her. And she said, "I'm calling about this property. Uh, about she said about the pig and chickens," and I said, "What?" <laughs> she she said this get your get your week going going well doesn't it <laughs> i said i said did you say pig and chickens and she said yes um there was a pig and it said what i did learn is that n- no swine of any type are allowed in the city limits not even pot-bellied pigs hmm. you are allowed to have chickens in the city limits but they have to be um no closer than 50 feet from any dwelling. You have to have a coop, too, which has to be... Yes, a, yes. A, a, you have to have a, a permit from a the city to, permit, to yes. put up a chicken coop. Yes. For, fortunately, we were able to contact our our tenant, and she, she'd been out of town, and her friend was house-sitting for her and brought... Brought a pig. A pig and chicken. <laughs> As you do when you house-sit for someone. So so, so that, that, that ended... Yeah. ended Nicely, because as soon as we got hold of her, she said, they're, they're, they're gone. gone. They're gone. They're <laughs> gone. Yeah. So don't, if you, you can have chickens within the city limits of Kerrville, mm-hmm. but you have to have a uh, permit to have a coop mm-hmm. and they have a to bu- be a building permit, a building permit, whatever. Okay. And they have to be 50 feet from what? A re- another residence at yes, least. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you live in a small lot, that's <clears throat> sort of, that'd be, out, be, be a problem. Out, you're out of luck. Be a problem. Yeah. Do you, do you know what also today is? Uh, today, yes, I know it's March 5th. <laughs> this is day 723 of the officially declared national COVID emergency. Two years and counting, we were told it was going to be two weeks to flatten the curve. And it's been two years. Yep, how about that? How about yeah. that? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why we all trust the government and exactly. everything they say. Right? Exactly. A, uh, a friend in Florida asked me the other day um, what makes a video viral. And he said, does, does that mean it makes money? And uh, I told him I was going to tell the story on the radio show, and he said he asked how I was going to des- describe him. And I said, I was going to just call you a dear friend. And he said, you can, you can, you can tell me <laughs> he's another man who is smitten with me. <laughs> really? So I'm going to make sure he listens to this. Anyway, so so he asked, um, what makes a video viral? I said, it's just one that uh, 
that a lot of people play. For I said, for example, uh, your governor, Ron DeSantis, um, telling college students they could take their masks off has gone viral. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. Now, DeSantis, of course, has been attacked for telling these college students to, that they were allowed to take their masks off. He's, he's accused of being rude to them because he said, you don't have to wear your mask. And I, I, I saw the video of it, and they, uh, they all, I think one kept her mask on, but all the others took off their masks, and they were smiling as they well, did good it. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not big masks fans around here, and I'm glad that uh, to see, for example, in the grocery store that very few people are wearing diapers on their faces. Uh, anymore. Well, well, we know when we were in Florida a couple of weeks ago, there are even fewer people oh, wearing yeah. masks in Florida than, than than here. Absolutely. Oh, my apologies. I was wearing my mask because I just got back from a full day of being a good person. I love my mask because it's a simple yet effective way to display my righteousness. Am I concerned that two children in China dropped dead because they were forced to wear masks in gym class? Nope. Am I concerned that we're creating a generation of children who will be socially awkward and conditioned to fear their fellow man? No. Am I concerned that I'm contributing to an impending socialist technocracy that will enslave the global population? Not even a little bit. Am I concerned that my mask is symbolic of my compliance to the social conditioning that will eventually lead to the forced vaccination of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth? Not a chance. And why am I not concerned, you ask? I'm not concerned because I decided a long time ago that shallow and significant gestures are a much easier way to showcase my morality than actually being moral. Because in order to be a real good person, I gotta stand up to a real bad person. And I don't like standing up to or for anything. I've decided that it's much easier to trick my own mind into thinking compliance is a virtue instead of what compliance actually is. Cowardice. I prefer to float through life completely ignorant to the fact that every socialist takeover has always begun in the exact same way. With government overreach, public shaming, censorship, and a toilet paper shortage. Don't believe me? Google toilet paper shortage in communist Russia. Did you think you were having a unique experience? I prefer to pretend history never repeats itself so that I can stand by and turn a blind eye every time history repeats itself. I prefer to call anyone who speaks up, fights back, or stands their ground a lunatic or a conspiracy theorist so that I don't feel obligated to do my own research. Research takes away from me time. And lastly, I prefer to put on my mask and stand among a sea of masks so that I never have to be seen, be free, or reveal the deep, dark shadows that lurk within me. <laughs> well, coming up after the break, we're going to have more product names that became hilarious when marketed in foreign countries. More of our exclusive interview with Dr. Mark McDonald, the author of United States of Fear, and so much more. We're Bill and Allison on the Hill Country Patriot every Saturday morning at 9, hillcountrypatriot.com, and our website, firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. Boldest and grandest, withstanding every test, oh, empire wide and glorious, you stand supremely blessed, Texas. Oh, Texas, your freeborn single star Sends out its radiance to nations near and far Emblem of freedom, it sets our hearts aglow With thoughts of San Jacinto and glorious Alamo God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong That you may 
we can give to each brand new bright tomorrow. Make me happy. Folks, that's the Jive Aces. We're going to be here at the Kalu Center April 9th. In Kerrville. April the 9th. So April go, 9th. Go on the website or stop stop in at the box office and get your tickets. They are a fantastic group. Yep. We, we will be there. We will we will be front and center. We already have our tickets. We do. We do. Uh, they are Actually, not front and center. We're going to be in the... in the. Uh, oh, well, wherever we're going to be. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll be there. As, so, so wave to us. Yeah, <laughs> wave to it. No, they are. Un- <laughs> you can Google them. They've got a number of YouTube videos out called the Jive Aces. And uh, yeah, so you again, can, you can look them up in advance. Yeah, look them up. See some of the. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, you will guaranteed have, have the time of your life. April 9th at the Kalu Center, and they are our friends. Yes, they are. Yeah, we're gonna hang out with them as much mm-hmm. as we can. Um, Come, so, coming up in moments, we're. More of our exclusive interview with Dr. Mark McDonald, author of The United States of Fear. Oh, he's fascinating. He's yes, absolutely he fascinating. Don't miss this interview. Yeah. He's absolutely yeah, fascinating. Gonna, a, that's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, Allison, you said, said something about product names? Yes, uh, product names that, that didn't uh, tra- translate well. Coors translated its slogan, Turn It Loose, into Spanish, where it is a colloquial term for having diarrhea. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Gerber marketed baby food in Africa, um, and where there a lot of people were, were illiterate. So what they do there is they have pictures of what's inside the, the uh, can or can the, or bottle, or the yeah. bottle on the front. Uh, so they market, marketed baby food with a picture of a baby on it. <laughs> Oh. So, so people thought, thought it was a baby. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! And and KFC um, marketed their product in uh, China, and they used the term "finger licking good." Mm-hmm, of course, that, that was translated uh, in Chinese to "eat your fingers off." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why don't they research this stuff before they really? do it? You know, really? I remember last week you said Coca-Cola uh-huh. in Chinese means bite the wax <laughs> tadpole. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> don't they you know, do any research, market research? Good gravy. Well, you know, speaking of products, um, you had a connection with, a tangential connection, I should say, with Colonel Sanders. Remember that? I did. I did. Um a friend of our family, when I was growing up, learned how to bake fried chicken from Colonel Sanders. No, it was the other way around. Taught you or Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. It's been so long. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> you should have reminded she me. Instead, instead of just jumping. <laughs> Colonel Sanders was like a door-to-door salesman in Kentucky. Yeah. And, I, and, and he... It was during came, the, d- during the during Depression. During the Depression, and he came to her house... And she was making fried chicken, and she offered That's him right. some. That's right. I, and he thought it was so good, she taught him how to make fried chicken. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You shouldn't spring these things on me on the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give uh-huh. me advance warning. Well, spe- <clears throat> speaking of products, as you were, I don't like to brag about my expensive trips, so I just got back from the grocery store. <laughs> where we found... And, and and Bill is the grocery shopper in I our am. family. My, my Santitos or Santinos, Santinos... Uh, corn chips is my measure of inflation. Uh, they've always had big letters on the bag, just two dollars. 
and that you know that was that was a bargain. Now it's just two dollars and twenty nine cents, mm-hmm. uh, and it's gone up. Um, you know, whatever fifteen that's fifteen percent. Oh, uh, so and that that is actually inflation is not. You hear keep hearing well, inflation is the worst in forty years. That is not true. Inflation is the worst in seventy five years when Harry Truman was president. Because when you put in the cost of food and energy in the CPI, Consumer Price Index, uh, which is not done by the government, when they tell you it's 15%, or when they tell you it's, what, 7% or whatever they claim it is, they don't put in the cost of food and energy. And, of course, you know, who who buys food or, you know. uh, 5% of Americans, according to a CBS poll, says that Joe Biden is doing quote very well what what was that percentage five five just five percent say he's doing very well uh 68 percent of americans believe the nation is either in somewhat or very bad shape 36 percent believe the nation is going very badly he's upside down in nearly every issue that ranks most important to americans his approval rating on crime is 39 percent approval rating on the economy is just 38 percent Approval rating on immigration is 37%. His approval rating on inflation is 30%. But again, just 5% say, oh, the, 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 the country's great. It's, everything is doing very well. Now, I have figured out who those 5% are. <laughs> who, who are they, Bill? They are the only people who don't buy their own gasoline, they don't go to the grocery store, and the only people that don't pay utility bills. <laughs> And they, who who are people like that? They're Washington politicians yeah. and people in nursing homes. Yeah. I mean, people in nursing homes, God bless them, especially those poor souls who have, who have Alzheimer's, of course feel a, a kinship with Joe Biden, and they say the country's growing great. They're, they're the only ones who can relate to him. <laughs> you know, there, there are two kinds of people in the U.S. right now, those okay. who are embarrassed by Joe Biden <laughs> and those who are lying and pretending not to be embarrassed by Joe Biden. Yeah, isn't that pathetic? Well, our special guest, Dr. Mark McDonald, who's a psychiatrist and author. His opinions have been widely published, including the Wall Street Journal and The Federalist. Uh, he and Dr. Jeff Barkey have a weekly podcast, and you can find that at informeddissentmedia.com. That explores the intersection of healthcare and politics. Dr. McDonald has advised Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to prohibit school masks saying that masking a child is child abuse. Governor DeSantis took Dr. McDonald's advice, and Florida has one of the lowest COVID rates in the United States. He is author of the very important book, The United States of Fear, How America Fell Victim to a Mass Delusional Psychosis. What first made you suspicious of the scientific basis for removing civil liberties, lockdowns, closing schools, businesses, places of worship, masks, social distancing, all of this? What, what, what first made you suspicious of, that there might not be a scientific basis for this? I'm an inherently skeptical person. I, I read history. I understand what happened in the 20th century, the fall of democratic nations and the takeover uh, by dictators, by totalitarian regimes, uh, similar to someone who, say, grows up in, in Eastern Europe or Central Europe and has experienced this firsthand. I've read about it, uh, but they've experienced it in their own lives. The the use of language, um, hyperbolic language especially, as a defense or a rationale for suspending liberties, the announcement of emergency 
as a way to um, sow the seeds of panic and to encourage people to uh, make drastic changes to what are essentially basic freedoms that we have, it, it raised an alarm bell in my mind because for that to be reasonable, for these requests to be legitimate, there must be a bona fide, provable, and immediate threat that is very severe. And I didn't see any of those factors uh, being proven whatsoever. Um, I saw examples uh, from around the world of very old sick people dying in nursing homes. Okay, well, that's a threat to old people in nursing homes. What about everyone else? Nothing. I saw that initially uh, there were certain people who would get sick and then wouldn't have anything happen to them. They wouldn't progress in their illness. And those people tended to be healthy. They were people that were taking supplements. Uh, they were people uh, treated themselves or with their doctor the symptoms of the infection early on with old school medications, and they were okay. So then the factor of it being a kind of severe and, and untreatable disease, that, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me either. That seemed to be unproven. And the fact that the people who were telling us to do all of these things, the people who were telling us it was this grave threat, they all seemed to be somewhat aligned. And, and their interests didn't seem to be aligned with the people. They seemed to be aligned amongst themselves. The politicians seemed to be very keen on shutting down certain types of businesses, but not others. Small businesses, but not large ones. Independent, but not chain. They seemed to be very big on attacking specific types of civic organizations, but not others. For example, um, churches and Cub Scouts needed to be shut down, but liquor stores didn't. Neither did uh, treatment or community groups that were sponsoring gay and lesbian activities. Mm -hmm. There didn't seem to be a very strong support your family concept. It seemed to be more attack the family, break it down, uh, separate parents from children. All of the orders seemed to be very internally inconsistent. They didn't really make sense, even if you bought the idea that we were all at risk and that we were all going to die. And so I started to think, gosh, you know, this doesn't really add up. It, it feels to me like this is an opportunistic response. This doesn't feel to me like an overreach. It doesn't feel to me like a, just an emotional um, panic on the part of government and media and corporations. It actually feels quite calculated. And it feels to me like the people who are suffering are all in one camp. And the camp of people that are suffering from the government response to these mandates are not the people that are actually getting sick. In fact, the people that are suffering are largely people who are married in families, children, people going to church, people who build and operate the engines of our economy, people who run small businesses, people who go to church, and people who run churches, people in the middle class, not really poor people or rich people, but people right in the middle. And so this pattern started to develop in my mind of, you know, this feels to me like a purge. This doesn't feel to me like just an overprotection in America. It feels to me like we're actually undermining a certain cultural demographic, a force in America that I would consider to be the independent mind. 
or you could call them conservatives or Republicans. It, it doesn't really matter. But the people that were being shut down and attacked are the people that would be most likely to fight back against a totalitarian takeover. And I, I say that because of looking at history and how things have unfolded. So I was very suspicious from the beginning that there was something up, that this was not a medical problem, not in the way that we, we were told, but that there was actually a, um, a concerted effort on the part of certain groups of people and individual and corporations in power to make use of it for their own benefit. And so I became incredibly dubious from the very beginning that there was something um, um, insincere. And every time I read, every time I studied and looked at data, my initial uh, hypothesis, my initial suspicion was simply proven. And it was proven again and again and again, and it still is up to this day. So, so, so you, you do believe it's a concerted effort, and do, who, who or what do you think is behind it? Well, I know that there are some people who, they've been called conspiracy theorists, uh, who believe that there is a group or a series of, of groups or entities that we don't see that are in the shadows, um, like, say, Bill Gates uh, or... Klaus, uh, Klaus von Bülow, but I don't know his last name. I think Klaus von Bülow is dead. I know, I know. Schaub. Thank you, Klaus Schwab. It's a combination of Klaus von Bülow and Charles Schwab. So Klaus Schwab and George Soros and others. Now, these are definitely evil men. I don't disagree with that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, agnostic because I don't really see uh, the evidence uh, that I find convincing that this is actually um, a conspiracy that's been going on for decades. And I'm not saying it's not. I, I just, I'm not convinced of it. Okay. So that's one group of people really uh, in that camp. Um, I'm more in the camp of uh, there are opportunities that bad people take advantage of when they arise. And I think that there has certainly been, up until uh, the beginning of this, uh, this pandemic in early 2020, I think there has been definitely a, a goal by uh, political, economic, and media sources, media entities, to drive our culture in a certain direction, which does not actually strengthen America. And, and I would call that definition or that direction leftism, essentially, communism. I think that's evident. Uh, and you can look at that through the lens of feminism, uh, uh, ecological uh, uh, protection of the environment, um, racism, uh, sexism. All of these uh, these movements are, are leftist. They are they are essentially designed to help strengthen the power and control of government and take away individual liberties and uh, make people scared of one another and divide us into tribes and camps. And that, that's a communistic activity. That's a left wing action. That I think has been going on. I think it's evidence based for a long time. Now, in the beginning of 2020, I think the opportunity arose to make hay of this. Uh, we've already been, we had already been uh, groomed to accept uh, fear, uh, the idea that we are all at risk of some awful demon coming in, you know, economic collapse, ecological collapse, uh, racism, Donald Trump, uh, rape culture, all of that nonsense. And the fact that a real virus that was actually killing some people uh, especially sick and old people around the world and spreading rapidly, uh, became an opportunity for people who were already moving the country in that direction 
to then double and triple down and to essentially take over uh, everything that they wanted to take over in 20 or 30 years, but to do it in just a matter of weeks. I think it's more of a jumping in of bad actors into an opportunity that um, presented itself than it is of the culmination of a plan to, say, depopulate the world or put neurotransmitters in our blood. Um, I, I'm not really convinced of that. You know, 5G towers, there may be some truth to it, but I don't even see why we need to go after it when what we can prove, which is irrefutable, uh, is right in front of our eyes and it's, it's destroying our country as it is. Why not take off the low-hanging fruit rather than stand precariously on a stepladder that's seven feet off the ground to try to grab something that may or may not be edible? Dr. Mark McDonald. We sure appreciate you being with us. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, he's, of course, again, the author of the very important book, The United States of Fear, How America Fell Victim to a Mass Delusional Psychosis, which is available online. You should get it. You should read it. You should recommend it to your friends. You should give it as gifts. Uh, the United States of Fear is the name of it. And his website, where you can hear his podcasts, informeddissentmedia.com. That's informed dissent d-i-s-s-e-n-t media.com thank you dr mcdonald thanks thank bill thank you allison thank you very much and we will have more of dr mcdonald next week and the following weeks in our exclusive interview with dr mark mcdonald and coming up we're bill and allison on the hill country patriot every saturday morning at nine on your radio and online at hillcountrypatriot.com and our website is firstcoupleoftexasradio.com, where you can listen to our podcast 24-7. Stay tuned, because I'm going to be talking about the worst football defeat in history, and you don't want to miss that. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. And those Bill. are the Jive Aces. We That's right. Before, coming That's to the right. Center. And we hope, hope you'll join us there. Yeah. Coming April 9th. That's, That's right. coming up real quick. That's Get right. your tickets before they're That's sold out. That's right. That's yeah. right. Fantastic. Well, I have a, uh, a book that's for sale in Williamsburg, Virginia. We've a, been there. At a bookstore. We, we have been there. Oh, it's not, gorgeous. Not recently, but no. but we have been there. Uh, there's a, a, it was a, we were there, what, a month ago, or was it 30 years ago? I can't remember. <laughs> I think it was 30 years ago. Uh, <clears throat> a, a bookstore there has an autographed copy of the Holy Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say. With, what does it say? With kind regards from the author? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Well, exactly. I, I promised uh, that I would tell you about the worst football defeat in all of history. Uh, it has to do with Cumberland, Cumberland College. Uh, they locked horns with Georgia Tech in 1905. Is that Cumberland, Maryland? Cumberland, Maryland. Okay. Uh the game was stopped midway through the third quarter with Georgia Tech leading by a score of 220 <laughs> to zero. <laughs> the Georgia Tech quarterback, Leo Schlick, alone had scored 100 points. Wow, I didn't know that was even possible. Well, Cumberland's 
the Cumberland's team that year may well have been the worst football team ever fielded. <laughs> and so a little explanation is needed. There actually had not been a football team at the school until uh-huh. Georgia Tech invited Cumberland to play on Tech's home turf. They didn't have a football team. So they got a co- they got, you know, one of the high school gym teachers to be a coach. And he had never coached football before. Uh, he scouted up players who looked like they might be big enough to be on a football team. Uh, they included a guy named Gentry Dugat, who had played two games in his entire life, one in high school, the other in prep school. And he had to have the meaning of the word down, football down, explained to him. He didn't know what that meant. Well, neither do I. So. Uh, well, you're not trying, playing so football either. I'm in good company. Uh, on the way to play tech, several of the Cumberland players uh, got off the train at a stopover in Nashville. They got lost and missed the game. <laughs> so they showed up with fewer players than they needed or they wanted. Uh, years later, one of their fullbacks said, quote, I made our longest gain of the day when I lost five yards around right end. <laughs> one team member fumbled the ball behind scrimmage behind the scrimmage line. Uh, with the Georgia Tech line racing toward him, and he yelled to a room a teammate, "Hey, pick up, pick it up, pick up the ball!" And I dropped. <laughs> and the teammate said, "Well, you pick it up. You dropped it." <laughs> <laughs> so that was the worst football <laughs> defeat in history. Georgia, okay, it was Cumberland College zero, Georgia Tech two hundred and twenty, and it was stopped. They would have scored more, but they stopped the game through the third quarter because I didn't think. They, well, they didn't think uh, Cumberland had too much of a chance, you know, too much of a you, chance. They didn't think they could come back if, yeah, after being down by two hundred points. There are Cinderella stories and comebacks and all that, but I think they're going to make it. I just Probably don't not. know. Probably what not. we will make though is the chili cook-off today, uh, March fifth today, from eleven to five. Uh, it's a cook-off. Entry fee is $10. It's going to be at the American Legion Post in Kerrville on Riverside Drive. Uh, cook, if you want to cook and be in the chili cook-off, you sign in at 11 a.m. It costs you 10 bucks. Do you have to provide uh, your own, your own cook fixings? Well, you're, yeah, it's a cook-off. Oh, oh okay. A contest. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, cornhole tournament be at 1230. That's $10 per team. Uh, and... Uh, Go on Facebook and get more details to the Kerrville American Legion Family Post 208. There'll be live music by Bobby Martinez. There'll be a silent auction, a 50-50 raffle, drinks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. No ice chests, they say. Do not bring an ice chest. So that'll be it today from, uh, let's see, cook sign at 11. It'll be so 11 to 5 is the chili cook-off at the American Legion Post in Kerrville. So that's something good to know, to borrow a phrase from a famous person. <laughs> It's interesting. We got so much stuff to go through and uh, so little time to do it. Uh, the George W. Bush Institute, the Chamber of Commerce, and the Billionaire Koch Brothers Network of Donor Class Organizations are banded together with other mass migration groups to demand President Biden expand overall immigration to the United States. Oh. Says George W. Uh, you know, the, the I was listening to an interview with George P. Bush, who's running for. Um, Attorney General against Ken Paxton in the runoff, and uh, the interviewer said, uh, "Well, you know, there's an the, old the saying, runoff. By the way, is May twenty fourth. Okay. The interviewer said, uh, "Well, you know, it said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and your your 
uh, Father Jeb Bush and your Uncle George W. are all pro-immigration, big, you know, open border types. Uh, are you? And of course, George P. had to go. Well, blah 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 blah. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because he can't get elected if he is. Uh, but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Let's put it that way. I ain't voting for George P. Put it. I don't vote for a Bush. If a Bush is on the ballot, I don't vote for him. <laughs> now, um, and to, to, to vote in the, in the runoff, you have to voted um, as a Republican in on, in on, a Republican runoff. Yeah. Yeah. On, on May first. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, uh, they're they're joining George W. Um, and his cabal in the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they want amnesty for illegal aliens. They want businesses to import foreign workers. And this coalition, by the way, um, includes the Business Roundtable. Mm. There's a whole bunch of them, but I picked out a few to let you know. The Southern Baptist Convention, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention is for wow. open, basically open borders, I'll say it. The National Association of Evangelicals is for it. Wow. The National Association of Manufacturers is for it. Well, it's because I want cheap labor. Yeah. The Episcopal Church, what do they have to do with it? Wow. Oh, we have, oh, these poor migrants, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're all coming in, and they're, they're so wonderful, and they're so law-abiding, and such right. wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Chamber, and the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. So these are all people in favor of it. Uh, the coalition has been formed, as American voters increasingly share, they want legal immigration levels reduced, not increased, overwhelmingly. The Gallup poll most recently found just 9% of Americans said they wanted increased increased immigration, 9%. So that kind of goes with the 5% who think Joe Biden is doing a great job. Probably the same people. Uh, you know, as we know, a flooded labor market from mass legal immigration to the U.S. has had a devastating impact on the nations of, 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 legal, of Americans, uh, middle class, working class, while re- redistributing billions in wealth to the highest earners and big businesses, as well as driving capital out of small communities to the coasts. Uh, the economic model has kept wages stagnant for decades. From 1979 to 2013, wage growth for the bottom 90% of Americans grew just 15%, while wage growth for the top 1% of Americans was nearly 140% higher. So a flooded labor market can easily diminish job opportunities and wages for Americans. Um, one study said that for every 1% increase in the immigrant portion of an American worker's occupation, their weekly wages are cut by 0.5%. Now what that means is the average native-born American worker today has his we- weekly wages reduced by 8 and 3 quarters percent because of foreign-born workers, legal and illegal. So legal immigration levels have driven the U.S. population to a record 332 million, and we have the largest foreign-born population in the nation's history at 46.6 million, and you add about 22 million illegals, so that gives you 69 uh, million in in foreign-born workers, both legal and illegal. Uh, Now, I've got no problem with legal immigration. My grandparents uh, came here legally. Sure. Uh, But... It's illegal. It's, it's doing all the damage. At 9.53 on the Hill Country Patriot, 104.3 in Kerrville, 102.1 in Fredericksburg, we are Bill and Allison, and we're very happy to have you with us this morning. Uh, Joe Biden's administration wants to divert Border Patrol agents from their mission at the U.S.-Mexico border to send them overseas to assist people fleeing from Ukraine. Wow. What? 
could, wow, insanity, insanity. You know, in January alone, the Biden administration released more than 62,500 border crossers and illegal aliens in the U.S. Um, Border Patrol agents, as we know, have blasted Biden's policies, which they say have made illegal immigration close to unmanageable, unmanageable. Here's a little good news. A Ukrainian cyber guerrilla warfare group plans is launching and has launched digital sabotage attacks against critical Russian infrastructure, such as railways and the electricity grid, to strike back at Moscow over its invasion. Uh, they're disrupting any infrastructure that helps bring Russian troops and weapons uh, to Ukraine. Uh, the uh, a spokesman forms uh, this hacker group, cyber guerrilla warfare group, said, the goal is to make it impossible to bring these weapons into our country. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, they've already downed or defaced dozens of Russian government and banking websites. And uh, they've, <clears throat> they say they've discovered a way to use cell phone tracking technology to identify and locate undercover Russian military units moving throughout the country because the Russian troops are using commercial cell phones in Ukraine to communicate among themselves. And they've managed to, to track them and find out where they are and hack them. So that's great. Well, you know, Russia is being accused of committing genocide. Against Ukraine? Yeah. Had you heard that? Right. Um, during World War II, my mother worked for the man who coined the, the word genocide. His name was... Coined uh, it? Coined it. Mm-hmm. Made it. Made it up. Uh, his name was Raphael Lemkin, and uh, he used the word in his book, a- Acts as Rule in Occupied Europe, which is sounds scintillating. I, I had a, an autographed copy of the book, but unfortunately, I lent it to a boyfriend and never got it back. Mm. But there was a documentary. So you shouldn't have boyfriends. That's a <laughs> There's a, a documentary uh, made of Raphael Lemkin just uh, a few years ago in 2014, and it was called uh, Watchers of the Sky, and it was about his, his fight to end genocide. Very cool. Very and, cool. And it won an award at the Sundance uh, Film Festival. Wow. Watchers of the Sky. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, almost two-thirds of Democrats in a uh, recent poll believe that defending Ukrainian border from the Russians, two-thirds of Democrats believe that defending the Ukrainian border from the Russians is more important than defending America's border. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, from illegals. As Rasmussen reports, 57% of Democrats say defending Ukraine against Russian invasion is, quote, more important to America's national interest than the alternative of defending the U.S. border against illegal immigration. That was how the poll was was written. Uh, In contrast, just 31% of Democrats favored defending the U.S. border. And uh, liberals were even more likely to favor, not all Democrats are liberals, obviously, but liberals, people who self-identify as liberals, were even more likely to favor the defense of Ukraine over the American border. 67% of self-identified liberals or four to one. Republicans favor defending the American border over Ukraine by four to one. So it's a flip. Mm-hmm. 74% said yes. And those who identify as conservatives are the same, about 75%. Interestingly enough, Latino and Asian voters, or Latino and Asians, well, they're voters, picked the U.S. border defense over Ukraine by 63%. Interesting. Yeah. So it's so... It shows you how liberals are less willing to ally with ordinary Americans than with foreigners. Uh, 
that's very different from conservatives who prioritize, they, they sympathize with people overseas, suffering of course, but they prioritize circles of people closer to home. Family, relatives, neighbors, same co- county residents, and then fellow nationals. Um, but since at least 1990, the federal government has tried to extract people from poor countries so they can come over here as cheap workers and make profits for huge corporations. And that's what we're, we're doing. Uh, I'm in touch with a friend who uh, lived in Ukraine. He's an American, but he went over there to, uh, he's an expert in uh, um, party politics, and he helped organize their government. And I want to read to you what he said to me. I just emailed him the other day. He said, most people in Ukraine have weapons and are awaiting the arrival of the Russians. Or they're now, they're here. In the Kiev suburbs, the bombing has been selective, but that will change as the Russian advance is slowed. One friend from Kiev tells me that he watches Russian jets being shot down by Ukrainian jets as well as anti-aircraft missiles. In the last few years, the ability of civilians to own firearms has improved drastically. He has a shotgun, an automatic rifle, and lots of ammo. Couple that with the handing out of a lot of Kalashinovs, Molotov cocktails, etc., the Russians are going to have a bloody entry into Kiev. Wait until he gets to wait, wait until the Russians get to western Ukraine. The resistance there will be horrible for the Russians. The battle for Lviv will be much worse than anything yet seen. How about that? Yeah, that's... Well, we're Bill and Allison on the Hill Country Patriot every Saturday morning at nine on your radio, and we gotta go. Uh, <laughs> Th- thanks for joining us. Yeah, remember, we're sometimes wrong. But we're always right. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. You've been listening to the Bill and Allison Mincaro Show. Heard each Saturday.